Thank you for tuning in to a couple of Kimer's podcasts. I am your co-host, Francesca. People call me Frankie. And I'm your co-host, Christopher. People call me Chris. Let's start off with our first segment, Attitude Attitude of of Gratitude. gratitude. (laughs) Let's go. That's okay. Anyway, we'll get it. Today, this week, I am grateful for having my labs come back good. Um, I've mentioned before that in 2020, I struggled with my health. I had some health scares, and so I've been still following up with doctors about that. They, um, It's been a while since I've gotten my levels checked and get my blood drawn and all that, and I did, and everything came back perfecto which is great so i'm grateful for that this week how about you babe i'm grateful for us having heat in spite of all of this cold and freezing weather mm-hmm. you know a lot of the states throughout the country especially within the south have been dealing with issues as a result of the winter storms that have taken place so i'm really grateful for us having heat and electricity and all the things that we take for granted, especially when we're not faced with the same challenges or situations that others are faced with. Mm -hmm. So I'm truly grateful for what we have. Me too, babe. Today we're going to talk about caring for ailing parents. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say for not only me, but, you know, for my wife as well, this is something that, you know, we both have personal experience with, Mm -hmm. especially being so young, whereas it seems like some of our peers may not have to deal with it until later in life, but we're some of the few that had to deal with it earlier on in our youth. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I can say, um, for me, um, helping take care of my mom was definitely a experience that at times was definitely good. Um, other times it was stressful and challenging. Um, my mom is deceased now, um, lost my mom day after we got married mm-hmm. and that was just really hard um, mm-hmm. to lose her especially mm-hmm. after my mom was diagnosed with um, vascular dementia back in 2013 so it wasn't a progressive decline it was slow but it was overall challenging um, because my mom needed assistance with recalling words and making sure she, you know, remembered different things. And to be honest, she did a good job with writing things down and go referring back to it. You know, I taught her that just to give her some different mnemonics or memory strategies that we sometimes say in psychology um, to help her with navigating and, you know, doing things. But, I mean, to be... Oh, was I 23, about to be 24? And when my mom, you know, got sick, and I'm so used to her, you know, being independent and having a strong memory, it became um, difficult to see her change as far as her personality and having difficulty <clears throat> remembering the way she did I think too like you were saying you know she obviously was the one who was who got the diagnosis and obviously there's tons of personal challenges I'm sure on her end that she was going through and thinking about and you know toiling with but I think a lot of times when people forget when a pillar of your household gets a diagnosis it's definitely you know the focus is on them and and making sure they're good but it affects everyone like you're saying you know like you started to act different move different because you had to help her so I think a lot of times when you know someone 
is diagnosed with something or it's clear that they're struggling health-wise, people forget that there are other people that are behind them that are also struggling. Yeah. And, you know, it, it seemed like when she got sick, like, I, it felt like it was in an instance when I had noticed it. And, you know, it, it did become a... It became definitely an adjustment mentally, emotionally, all the way around. Um, I'm grateful that my mental health background had aided me in being able to assist my mom with, like I said, the memory strategies or the mnemonics and helping her understand that when you have those challenges with recalling words or you know, just recalling different thoughts of what may have you, you know, there's ways to assist yourself and to help yourself with doing that. So, um, you know, but just seeing how, like I said, her personality just kind of switched over time and, you know, being less social and not really being engaged with people in the same manner, it was, it was... It was it was heartbreaking for me, because um, my mom was the type of person she was socially outgoing. She was not quiet or reserved. That's that just was not her personality. But she, over time, became that way when she got sick. Um, and so, you know, definitely had times where I may have not been as patient and tried to help her you know, with different things and trying to remember things or try to even explain things. Like, I, I had to really listen and put on my active listening ears to make sure that I understood and heard everything that she was trying to convey and try to pick out and put and piece together what it was that she was really trying to articulate that way. And, yeah, there were times where I'm like, okay, Mom, just, just tell me. Like, you know, but then I had to catch myself and say, like, well, you understand how the brain operates. And when it's been some type of illness or damage in parts of the brain, whether it be the frontal lobe, parietal lobe, whatever it may be, it's going to create some challenges for someone, especially when it comes to their speech. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely... Um, an overall challenge with trials and tribulations and things like that. How about you? What would you say what it was like for with your parents? Ooh, well, my parents were, I believe, 42 and 43 when they had me. Something like that. I always forget. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could do the math, but I'm not even going to bother. So they already started off. You know, I remember growing up. Everyone thought my mom was my grandma, you oh know, goodness, stuff I like that. And, like, my days. mom aged pretty well. Like, it wasn't like, she, you know, she was out here just looking extra old. It's just she was a lot older than, you know, most of my peers' parents, um, especially if they had, like, super young parents. It's like my mama could be their mama's mama, you know. Um, but so that's just kind of where... Obviously, they started off older, and old age is more common to, you know, just have some physical difficulties and mental difficulties and things like that. It's just human nature, right? So, um, like you said, I do think that um, it, my parents hit a stage in their life that most of my peers' as parents hadn't reached because of just because of age, Um there's many reasons why you can care for an ailing parent, um, and it doesn't always have to be directly related to age, even though I think for my parents it is. Um, but so from my experience, you know, my mom got first sick, you know, like a real um, wake-up call of her being sick when I was just 12 years old. Um, she had a liver transplant. It was very... Um, it didn't react well. She struggled with that. Um, reject. It's called rejecting. It was rejecting and all that. So 
a lot of it was hidden from me because I am the baby and all that. Um, I learned more about it when I got older, but so that's where it like started where I think I realized like, oh, like my mom is sick type thing, but she did come out of it well, um, in the end and she healed from it and, um, but she was just definitely different, you know, her physical abilities and things like that, but she wasn't needing like hands-on care, but we were more watchful of her, you know, making sure that, you know, she has what she needs. She moves a bit slower and things like that, but she was still primarily independent, you know, mostly independent. And it was and, just, oh. and still able to like mother me in a way that wasn't too different than what I knew. It, there were changes, but you know, I didn't catch on to them as much at being that young, you know, her being tired more and things like that. But I'm sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was just going to say, yeah, you know, it was the same thing with me. I mean, my mom, believe it or not, she was still able to drive and get herself around. It was just, you know, the memory issue. And I know when people hear the term dementia, they automatically attribute it to Alzheimer's. But Alzheimer's is just one of many I believe specifically 11 types of dementia and one of the types of dementia is vascular dementia which is attributed obviously from you know your vascular system when it's not functioning properly and it restricts blood flow and leads to um, having difficulties with memory um, which can be caused by you know strokes and different things like that which my mom had um, several TIAs or mini or tiny strokes and things like that mm-hmm. over the years. And that's what I believe contributed or led to that diagnosis. So with vascular dementia, it's not a progressive or ag- aggressive decline like Alzheimer's is. This is more slow in nature. So it wasn't like know my mom couldn't function like I said she was still driving even though maybe wasn't the wisest as she continued to get older and the situation progressed but I'm grateful every day that you know nothing bad ever happened and she was able to like I said drive she didn't get lost or anything like that so yeah she pressed on to the best of her ability yeah for sure so my mom still had that about her where she was still independent, especially to the point where you weren't going to tell her anything or what she couldn't do or not, but she was still going to do it. Um, so that part of her personality did did not change, thankfully. But yeah, no, she just needed assistance with memory challenges and um, making sure that she understood things that were going on because sometimes she may have felt confused or wasn't fully processing things right away. But that didn't happen on a daily basis. That would happen, you know, every so often. Only thing that happened on a daily basis was just recalling words and names and just challenges with that. Um, But then as she got older, it progressed to where she couldn't really do her job as a lawyer anymore and she you know, lost her job. And that was heartbreaking for me because that was probably only the second time I had witnessed my mom not have her job. So, you know, I had to step up and thankfully I was able to get a job at a mental health agency and was able to work and help, you know, take care of us. Yeah, it was stressful because I was the one who was um, primarily making the money, but I did what I had to do to help out and make sure that my mom was good. And you did well. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, like, in comparison, um, I feel like, you know, your mom's situation was definitely more, um, like, her memory and her body for the most part. Yeah, she had little things here and there that where her body failed her. But I feel like for actually both my parents, it's their mind is fine it was their body that was failing them yeah so it's a little bit different here with the type of care that someone might need when their body's fine but their mind may be deteriorating or or versus someone who their mind is still quite sharp 
but their body is is what's failing them. So I know for I never personally experienced up until like I mean think maybe the last two weeks of my mom's life, her mind was fine. It was sharp. It was she was tired for sure because what she went through definitely made her physically and mentally tired. Um, but I think because she was she experienced you know whole body infection, so it, it affected her mind, and that was like the last two weeks of her life. So bef- before that time though, it was you know she was quite sharp. So um, it was it was difficult um, seeing you know her deal with that with just trying to figure out how to work with her body that was failing her. Um, and that started, like I said, at age around age 12 and it just progressively got worse. It didn't get, she didn't become bed bound until I was in college though. So I was away in college and my freshman year is when it really started to, to like severely affect where she now needed, you know, someone to care for her around the clock. And she, um, she was already diabetic. She was already on home dialysis. Um, and so she already had those things working against her, but then now it was, she was unable to, you know, use her hands as well or walk at all. So she was bed bound and needed that care. Um, and it was quite stressful. You know, I will say that my parents never, um, at that point in time being in college, they weren't like, you need to come home because, um, you know, we, but they had each other. So that was good. Um, but my dad's body wasn't failing him in that way. He had, did have different, you know, procedures like knee replacement, hip replacement, things like that, but he was still mostly mobile, um, at the time that her, she became immobile. Um, but his, his body slowly declined on him for different reasons. Uh, my dad's still living. Um, but my mom passed away in 2013. So it was, I didn't realize the date significance. You said your mom was diagnosed in 2013 yeah. and my mom passed in 2013 and we didn't meet until the bitter end of 2015 into 2016. Yeah. So it's all, it's just weird how life does that. Um. But I would say as far as trials and tribulations with dealing with my mom ailing physically, um, just exerting myself um, mentally and physically, making sure she's okay and um, has the things that she needs and wants. Um, and, And primarily I think I was stuck on the things that she wanted because I didn't understand fully what she needed. And then once I understood what she needed, it was more like I started to neglect the things that she wanted because what she needed was wearing me thin. So I was just like, you know what? I can only do this. But at that time I wasn't able to, I wasn't as progressed in the way of um, thinking about boundaries and I wasn't as organized as I am now so it was just more like I was beating myself to the ground in a way because it was just such a huge adjustment you know you're so used to your parent taking care of you and then you take care of your parent and you hear people say that I feel um I feel that I mean from my experience I've heard mostly this type of conversation from what I consider adults, you know, like people in their 50s taking care of their parents and things like that. Because, you know, I had coworkers and such, older coworkers, and they would talk about, you know, helping and dealing with their parents. And I just always attribute it to like, oh, that's what older people do. They take care of their Mm -hmm. parents because their parents are older than them. But for me, it was like, here I am, 20, 20. Pretty much, I was 20, and it's like, it was just quite stressful. So once I did graduate and come back, because like I said, my parents weren't like, you need to come home and help, even though they probably could have used my help for sure. But they allowed me and didn't pressure me to come home from college and and give that up. So I was definitely blessed in that way, because we were just watching a show the other day, and it was a 23-year-old guy, and his mom had cancer, and he has all these siblings, but he was the oldest, and he had a full ride, and he gave that up yeah. to take care of his mom. And I think that I, 
I mean, I've always been grateful for my life and the home that I come from, but I think that really just touched me in a way like I didn't have to give up my dream or, you know, what I was already set out to do. Now, I will not say that I didn't stunt anything because of taking care of my parents, but I will say as far as college and my education and those, well, at the time, what I believe to be foundational things, um, my parents didn't stop me from doing that. So I did finish school, and in that time, I studied abroad as well, you know, and and my mom and my dad, they made it happen. You know, they made it happen for her, and um, there was, it's just stressful, though, because, like, when at one time, she had home care. You know, she had someone that she hired that took care of her. And it's just like, uh, the trust. I just, I'm not a very trusting person of people I don't know. And even yeah. once I get to know you, I do struggle with that. I got trust issues. I know that, you know, we usually use trust issues in like romantic relationships, but you can definitely have trust issues outside of rom- romantic relationships. Absolutely. So I think that I struggle with trusting people. So I stress because I'm like, are they treating her right? Are they, you know, I don't want anybody talking crazy to my mom, my dad, you know, like you're not going to do that. And I can't be there unless I'm there to correct it or, you know, I'm very protective of that. So, um, you know, I just wanted to make sure she had the best. And it was also, you know, when you have someone, especially just one, because if you get an agency to do it, I mean, you're paying astronomical prices. But, you know, if you kind of have a one-on-one contract with someone, it can kind of become more affordable. Um, still expensive, but more affordable than getting an agency. The agency, you know, it's, it's best because you have workers that maybe just be working 12-hour shifts and they get to go home. But if you hire just one person to your home, that's the only person. So they still need their vacations. They still got family. They still have emergencies. And so I was always the on-call person. <laughs> Not that I wasn't doing anything. I was still, you know, making sure all the supplies. and th- The person that was in the house was just taking care of my mom. But they weren't going out to get A, B, C, D. If anything needed to get, get gotten, needed to be picked up, um, that was me. I was your girl. So I'm like... I was on call where this woman had a schedule. I was the on call person. So I would say with that, having like a person, a personal hired in person that you've brought into your home to care, that can be a struggle of having, and it was of having just one person be on call like me. I was the person. So if that person couldn't come in for the day, like they had to go, you know, they had to go take care of their mom. You know what I'm saying? They, sorry, ma'am, I have to call off today. I can't help you. Well, she still got to eat. She still got to be clean. She still got to have her medicine, all those things. So, you know, I, it doesn't matter. I could be going on an interview that day. Guess I'm not going on that interview. You know, um, I could be going to lunch with a friend. Guess I'm not going to that lunch because now I have to take care of my mom. You know, and at first it's like, whatever, this is my mom. But if we're having real conversation it's taxing, it's upsetting, it's emotional personally, and then it becomes like a a job, you know? So, but it's hard because you're mixing those two. Like, you, there's guilt that comes along with it. Like, why do I, sorry, why do I feel, you know, so um, upset of helping my mom? Because it's not that, it's deeper than that. But the guilt that comes with um, taking care of an alien parent is is definitely real. Um, and then when you go the route of like nursing home or when you go as the route of um, like assisted living, there's all these different rules. Like my mom never qualified for assisted living. She was because assisted living, you can't you still have to have a fair amount of independence. And that wasn't her in mm-hmm. um, certain nursing homes because she did the home dialysis. They wouldn't take her. So even places that do take care of completely dependent people, they don't take people that may do certain things. Like they might take care of someone that has to go out to the dialysis facility to get dialysis, but they're they're hands off of that home dialysis. If their nurse staff has to do it, no, we're not doing it. So it really limited even the nursing homes that she could go to. And don't even get me started on the billing and the medical field of that, that's a whole nother podcast. But that the stresses of the financial decline that you experience 
just trying to mm-hmm. survive. Yes. Ridiculous. And especially when there's one thing when they've they've decided, when I say they, I mean like the medical professionals decide that you don't have any money. They treat you a certain way. And I'm not trying to say it's better. It's it's messed up. But then there's another side. When they think you have the money, they treat you a different way. And you might think, oh, it might be better because you have money. No, they want it all. They want to take it because they can tell, you know, you're not Rockefeller. But they know you got money. So they want to upcharge you on this and try to recommend all this stuff. Or they want these records to determine how much you have to pay monthly. And they just... They want all your stuff. So it's it's a whole stressful situation there. Just I learned so much about insurance, health insurance versus, you know, medical insurance versus dental, vision, all that stuff. Just all the types of insurances I learned a lot. I still have a lot to learn, but I've definitely on Medicare and all that stuff and how many days you can you know, that you have to be in the hospital to qualify for a professional nursing facility. Oh, it's a whole web that you just learn by making mistakes. And when you're dealing with caring for someone and you're their power of attorney, you're they're the person that they look to because they can't do it physically. It It's a lot. It weighs a lot. So, you know, you have the guilt of not being there all the time. You have the guilt of you did it wrong or now you have to do it all, and mm. yeah, I definitely can relate to the guilt because when my mom got her diagnosis, it was the summer before I entered my last semester of college for my bachelor's degree. So I went into my last semester just feeling like I hope my mom is okay. I should be there. Why am I still at school? But then my mom was the type she would tell me. Um, finish school just finish school you're almost there you're at the you're at the end just finish school I'm gonna be okay just finish school so it was reassuring but it didn't take away completely all the stress that I was dealing with from being in school plus the stress of making sure that my mom was okay and you know, I would go home on the weekend, so that helped, I think, for that last semester the most because I was able to spend time with her, make sure that she was okay, help her with doing things around the house or helping her with the memory strategies and things like that. So, yeah, I definitely felt guilt as well that, you know, I'm at the school while she's at home by herself and I mean yeah my family checked on her of course talked with her so I'm definitely grateful for that it was just a sense of you know why I'm doing what I'm trying to do for myself and my education while she's going through this traumatic situation mm-hmm. where she's having to navigate and adjust in a way where she didn't have to do before Yeah, and I will say the biggest thing that I've learned through caring for my ailing parents is you have to take time for yourself. Yes. You have to because you don't want to wear yourself so thin that you then start to um, maybe become so stressed that you're just snapping on them, snapping on others. Um and how do I say this? You don't want to have, you want to try to avoid regrets. So, for example, like that guy I was saying, that young man, 23 years old, gave up his full ride scholarship to go take care of his mom. You never want to do those things and um, regret it or get re- gain resentment towards it because it can happen. You know, you're like, oh no, it's my parent. I love them. You never know what the future holds. So if you completely give up, completely, sometimes you're just in a bind and you got to do what you got to do. But you want to make sure you're not sacrificing so much that you then resent. Because, especially if the person's ill, but we all have our day. Ill or not, we all have our day. 
So you don't want to hold and harbor resentment for a parent because you sacrificed so much to the point that you just resent and you have all this pent up anger and, and regret. So that would be what I've learned, you know, to really take time for yourself and don't deny all of the things that you want to do. I mean, I guess I could be speaking to anybody of any age, but especially, you know, if you're in your 20s and 30s even, you don't want to, you just you just don't want to create an environment where you begin to resent them or blame them for the decisions that you made and just, and just be resentful. You just don't want that. So take time for yourself um, and do things that make you truly happy that I would definitely, because it's, it's easy. It's very easy to get wrapped up on. They need this on Mondays. They need this on Tuesdays. They need that. And then you go down the whole list and what day have you spent for yourself? What time have you taken for the things that you enjoy? Have you, you know, canceled on all your friends to the point that your friends don't even ask you anymore. I remember when I was taking care of my mom, really like myself, um, a friend, a really good friend of mine, she knew what I was going through and she planned a surprise party for me because she knew that like I hadn't been, I just been stressed about it, upset about it and all of that. And she was surprised. So she was just like, Hey, why don't you come over? And she lived about a good 30 minute drive from my house. So it wasn't like, Oh, I'm just going up the street. Um, so she was just like, come over, like we'll hang out. But she secretly had like gotten all the friends together and was going to like surprise me. And I canceled on her. I was like, because I, I was just tired. I don't, I don't specifically remember if something was going on, but I was just like, man, like the energy that it's going to take me to like get ready and like get there. Da, 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 da. I mean, she begged and dragged me, finally got me to go. And then I go and I find out that it was a surprise party and I was so happy, but I was like, it just kind of really woke me up. Like what surprises are behind these opportunities that I just keep denying. And I think that point was like a turning point for me. Like you really got to make time for you because you just never know the surprise or the unexpected that might be hiding behind that situation. So, um, that was one thing, definitely a memory of mine that kind of like opened my eyes to I need to be making time for myself and not just, and my friends and just being who I am because I'm a pretty sociable person and I have some really great friends. I'm blessed with that. So, you know, you don't want to, but if you also, on another note, if you have good friends, they will understand. Yes. And if they don't understand that's on them, not you. I'm not trying to say they're not a good friend. I'm saying they just don't understand and you don't need that energy. So let them do what they're going to do. And don't, you know, try to please and appease them when you've got all of this going on. Agree. Continue to live your life and don't limit yourself. Still make time to take care of your parents if they're in that type of situation where they need you and you know, you're there for them and taking care of them and providing that assistance, but you don't at the same time want to forget to live your life because you still have a life to live. And it's easy to just give any and everything up just to make sure you're mm-hmm. taking care of your parents. Mm-hmm. But the thing, too, to remember is, you know, your parents may feel like, I don't want you to give up your career. I don't want you to give mm-hmm. up going to school. So in that time, in that case, you will want to use it as motivation to continue to push yourself towards completing your degree or achieving something within your career that you get nominated for, whatever it may be. You just don't want to give it up. Well, I think we were fortunate in that way that our families didn't put the pressure on us, especially yeah. at that point in time in our lives, to give up what we were doing obviously keep referencing that guy from the show but he he didn't have that same motivation from his family you know and so maybe someone's listening to this and they don't have that um i would definitely just encourage you to um just find the strength 
to do both. Don't give up. Don't give up completely. Maybe if you're going to school, maybe you might got to start going part-time. But I would not fully give it up or, you know, figure something out. Move your parent near you or, you know, you kind of got to give them like, I want to help you, mom, dad. I'm going to school three hours away. Is there any way you guys can move here? You know, something like that temporarily until I finish and then we can go back, you know, whatever home is or something like that. I'd find at least a middle ground if possible. I would not completely turn over and forget about and completely halt your your decision. I mean, your um, your passion and what you're doing. Because at the end of the day, we all have our day. And you don't want to, when they, I mean, whenever your parent passes away, it's devastating. I don't yes. care what you say. I don't care if it was expected, unexpected, whatever. It's devastating. And you're going to have some time of being lost and you don't want to have to reverse seven, 10 years because you just stopped everything. Like you don't know when this is, this situation is going to change. You don't know when their day may come or when your day may come. So you still want to be doing something that gives you, um, that you that you want wanted to do outside of, of taking care of your parent because I know especially if you have a loving parent or you have a close relationship with them that you know of course if they're needing something part of what you want to do is help them because I think that's where the struggle is like it's not that you don't want to and you're just doing you're just caring for them because you have to out of obligation sometimes it depends I didn't feel that way I love my parents so I wanted to be to take care of them I wanted to make sure that they were okay like that in in itself helped me knowing that they were okay you know so but you don't just want to get drowned in that you just really don't you really want to be doing things outside of that um just to cultivate yourself as a person as well um what would you say was rewarding rewarding I mean just the the bond and the memories. Yeah. You know, so um, it's just a different dynamic when you are essentially being your parents' parent. Oh, it's yeah. the tables have turned. You're now the one that has to tell them no sometimes. You're the one that they're looking to to get things done. It's a flip of roles. Um, and with that, it can be rewarding in the way of you're really putting their parenting skills to the test. Like, did you raise me to be able to endure something like this or did you not, you know? And what I have to learn, I have to learn. I think that I have, I mean, just even talking with my peers, not to be like, oh, I'm just so superior. The conversations and the things that they say, like I feel that I've propelled past that type of thinking because I, from my life experience of, of caring for my parents, and I still care for my dad now. I mean, um, he has gained some independence at this point, but there's a there's still a lot that I that I do for my dad that most m- most of my peers do not do for their parents, and it's based on because of health conditions, um, physical health conditions specifically. So. I would say that was a reward as far as, like, making memories. I mean, there's just situations you're going to find yourself in that you would never find yourself in if you didn't have to take care of them. Um, And conversations you'll have that you probably would never have if you didn't have to take care of them. Um, And so those are just, like, those times of just spending more time because it's a you can get caught up in what you're doing day-to-day, the routine, and maybe not really having those deeper conversations or, you know, them not really or even them not imparting this knowledge on you or you not really listening because you're just so caught up in your hustle. Um, it gives like a even though it can be depending on the situation, it can be very daunting, but there is. Like, there's more space for those type of conversations to, like, gain the wisdom 
and really sit and think about it. So for me, that would be the rewarding thing, just those memories, the good memories, some bad, not bad, but like, you know, sad, but a lot of, um, of good ones too. And when somebody is down and out, you really learn who the real ones are. Yes. So that was something that I definitely gained from. And whether it be family, whether it just be family, friends, whomever, you learn how people function in a time of crisis, what they'll do to be a part of the help or be a part of the hindrance. And the all types of dynamics are... Um, challenged when it comes to things like that. So I got to see a lot of people's true colors and how they, how they'll fold or how they won't fold. So that's definitely a reward too. Yeah. For me. Yeah, I think for me, the reward was seeing how my mom was able to still function in spite of because some people would just be the type where they just kind of give up and not really try anything anymore and just wait to die and don't want to continue to live in some type of way. But my mom didn't do that. She still continued to do things in her own way, mm-hmm. no matter what. Even though I knew she was tired, she she just was frustrated, didn't like what she was struggling with and had to go through, but she still found a way to get up every day and whether it be watching her favorite soap opera or going to pick up something from the store, I mean, she still, she still did it. Mm -hmm. She just didn't not sit there and not do anything. She still did it. So that was rewarding to see that and to see her actually use my strategies and actually put them to use and I could tell she was able to follow through that was also rewarding to see that you know she didn't just ignore what I said she actually took what I said and followed through with it so that was another reward and I think overall just having that time in those memories with her, um, just to see her, again, continue to function to the best of her ability. That was definitely rewarding. And, yeah, there were some good and there's some sad memories, but there were still memories. And, you know, every day I could say, no matter how I felt about the situation or when I was at my job, I was just grateful to still see my mom every day mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. And it still felt a sense of normalcy. Yes. Because the normalcy definitely changes. Adjustment after adjustment. So, having those little bits that you can still hang on to, like, okay, the familiar things, for sure. I agree with that. I definitely do. So, what about the types of care? Well, I kind of covered that. You know, there's the in-home care like with hiring your own personal person that you you know that's going to be your caregiver and that's probably as far as home care as as probably cheap as you can get it or less expensive as you can get it because you you are negotiating the own contract so you can negotiate it if the person agrees you know you can negotiate it to what you truthfully can afford um but if you get like an agency coming in they got their set prices. They got their set ways. It's not much wiggle room depending on the company. But then you also have like the nursing homes, the skilled cares, you know, the I think what people normally think of when you think nursing home. Then you have like different pretty much group homes where that's going to be. So the nursing home is going to be expensive if you don't have insurance because it's only going to cover the insurance only going to cover for so long. Then you're going to have to start doing the out-of-pocket pay if you don't you don't qualify for Medicaid um, and that stuff can be like 10 grand a month which where I'm from where we doing stuff 10 grand a month not gonna fly so that's just not something 
were able to comfortably afford. So, um, once, you know, nursing home is good, if you got insurance up until you got to do that private pay, not affordable. But then you also have the assisted living, which is more just like a regular apartment. Um, but it has, you know, staff at all times that can just be there to look out for your parent, but they have to be pretty independent to do that. Um, depending on the, how the care works, but usually most cases you can find some that might, you know, care for someone that's more dependent, but most, um, assistant living is going to be in, independent, um, people. So, and that's just going to cost you whatever, usually around what it would cost you to rent an apartment plus, plus, the um, uh, a charge for care so from my experience that you know with that you can kind of work it out so it'd be like the home care in home with your own contracted person that's going to be your cheapest route because you're gonna be able to negotiate that contract then you have the agencies and you they can come to your home but if you especially if you need somebody around the clock that's going to cost you nursing homes free up until insurance doesn't cover and then you pay in 10 grand upwards for the care and personally if it's less than 10 grand the care they're getting is probably not good at all and even some of those places that charge 10 grand it's kind of questionable um and then there's assisted living so that's what i would do yeah that's that's what i would say about my experience with the different care you really didn't have much and of course doing it yourself yeah is gonna be most cost effective as far as finance, but it could cost you in other ways, um, depending on the situation. And I'm not a proponent like, oh, don't take care of your parent. Because even with all these other things, like I mentioned, like the in-home care, nursing home, assisted living, you still are going to have a bunch of stuff that you will need to be doing to take care of your parent. There's, there's more than just putting them in this place. Okay, good. I can go live my life. If you do that, I don't like to judge, but let me tell you, it will be incomplete. I would never recommend if you get professional care to just leave them there and walk away. No, because once again, like I said, I got trust issues and I need to make sure you treat my parent right. And I need to make sure they got what they still need. And, you know, they're not going to go out to the store and get them their specialty this or something to make them happy. They're not going to you know, celebrate their birthday and have a party. They're not going to do any of that. So you still have to, I always say have to. It's not just a, you, your hands off because you've, you know, decided that this is the best option for them. You're still, no matter what you choose, you got, you are still an active participant in it. Um, you should be, in my opinion. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that would be my personal advice is no matter what you choose, still be active. Exactly. Because if you're not active, I mean, when that day comes when your parent passes away, you don't want that feeling of what I should have done, could have done, or would have done. You don't ever want to experience that, especially when you have that opportunity to mm -hmm. do something about it. Because at the end of the day, you want to be at peace with the decisions that you're making. Yes. You don't want to devote your whole life to caring for your parent for so long that you don't have peace in it. When they've, you know, departed this earth, you're still empty in a way past the grief. You know, just empty because you didn't have peace with what you were doing the whole time. You were thinking about what you could and could what you could be, what you could be doing. So you need to find balance just so you can have peace. Um, and it's different for everyone. This isn't like, oh, here's the formula for caring for an ailing parent. No, you have to make it work for you. And what works for you might change. One year, you might be able to devote your whole life. And you're okay with that. And you haven't given up much of your personal dreams. But then year two hits, and you're like, no, this was the year that I was supposed to whatever, fill in the blank. I'm going to make it happen. 
whether it's doing it half the time, you had planned on doing it all the time, but you're doing it half the time. You have to, it, you have to just have peace with the decision that you make, period. That's just how I feel about it. Because, like you said, everybody got their day, and when your parent passes away, because I believe, you know, I don't say I believe, but usually your parent passes before you do. It doesn't always happen, but that's that's the mindset, right? That your parent passes before you do. So you want to make sure that when that happens, you aren't harboring regret. You aren't feeling all this, because you're already going to be dealing with grief, which is, you could do a whole nother podcast on that. <laughs> I just feel like I keep saying that. A whole nother podcast, a whole nother podcast. Um, but you just want to make sure you have peace with the decisions that you're making and make those tough decisions then so that you can have the peace to follow. If you just continue to push things to the back burner because, oh, you feel obligated and, oh, you know, maybe you're even getting pressured to do it. You don't want to do that. Who cares what other people think? There's always going to be someone that has an opinion. There's going to be someone who's like, no, you should be doing more. Or there's going to be people telling you, why are you doing that? But you got to do what works for you to find your peace. And it's going to take a minute. It's an adjustment. Like, you're going to be like, oh, maybe you thought that would get you okay, you know, and, and it didn't. So just readjust. Reassess. But don't, you know, don't let it beat you down. And and hopefully you have at least one person in your corner to at least just even vent to. Like, that's, that's important. Having somebody that you can, like, talk to is just going to listen because you may or may not find someone that has the experience, depending on where you are, but a listener, somebody who could just hear you out, important. Important. Yeah. Anything else, boo? No, that's it. What about quote of the day? Quote of the day. So the quotes for today, there's actually two that I like. Um, so the first one would be, remember, so far you survived 100% of your worst days. So some days may seem super duper rough, and you've had them, and you got past them, and you survived them. So you'll survive the next. So keep, keep it going. Keep the faith. And the next one is, start where you are, use what you have, and do what you can. I think that's perfect for today because you can only be you and do your best. And I think that will find you. I actually know that will give you peace. If you just start where you are and you use what you have and you do what you can with that. That's the best you got. That's pretty much summing up giving your best. Yes. So those are the quotes for today. Thank you for listening. Make sure you rate and review if you like what you hear. Also, like, subscribe, comment, and share with a friend. See ya.